Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome uh, to the Kudzu Radio Hour, broadcasting from Spartanburg, South Carolina. And in a little while, I'll be joined by my fellow cohorts, Billy Eli up in Massachusetts, and Patrick Beach and Jim Hemphill out in Austin, Texas. Yeah, worldwide, baby, worldwide on the Kudzu Radio Hour. So glad you guys decided to join us again this week. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, now, the topic today is going to be, what the funk? That's right, baby. Funk. Good old R&B funk. Man, yeah. Uh, each one of us is going to run down our top five uh, funk songs in our own personal opinion. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some overlap, but that's okay. It's okay. If it's funky, we love it. The Kudzu Radio Hour. This is Kudzu Radio Hour number 138. 138 recorded Saturday, January 23rd, 2021. The uh, podcast is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms. Springer Mountain Farms chicken. That's right. Springer Mountain Farms out of Georgia. The best chicken, fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms. Now this chicken has no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. So it's healthy. Okay. Healthy, healthy, good for you. You can get more information or order online at springermountain.com. SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, but it tastes superior. It really, really does. The program is also brought to you by that little old band from Los Angeles called the Box Masters. And their great album, Light Rays, is out and it's rocking. You can get Light Rays on vinyl, CD, download. Uh, and other uh, Boxmasters swag available as well, all at theboxmasters.com. That's theboxmasters.com. Now, it's, uh, it's a great band, and uh, Bud Thornton and J.D. Andrew are, uh, I call them the new Lennon and McCartney. They write some incredible songs. I mean, you know Billy Bob Thornton, Bud Thornton. You know him as a writer. I mean, he wrote Sling Blade, and... Uh, and directed and starred and everything. So, I mean, he's a great writer and it translates over to his lyrics writing as well and a great drummer and singer. So what else do you want? A rubber biscuit? <laughs> Who remembers that song? Raise your hand, raise your hand, rubber biscuit. Okay. Theboxmasters.com. Also the program is brought to you by the folks at Fog Hat Sellers. Foghat, the same band that's been bringing the boogie for over 50 years, brings you Foghat wine. Yeah, baby. Pinot, Chardonnay, some excellent, excellent wine. And it's budget price. It's good. You can afford it. Uh, you can have it delivered right to your door. Find out more or order online at foghatsellers.com. Foghatsellers.com. You can also find it through the band website at foghat.com. So take a slow ride, take it easy, 
but get on over there and order you some. That's what I'm saying. So the big program today, we've got all sorts of things coming up. Uh, we're going to play a round of uh, high fidelity. We're going to have some recommendations, all kinds of things like that. I do want to say that if you have an echo device, you can, uh, you can easily just have she whose name will not be called because if I say her name, it will go off because my device is right beside me. So you could call her name, the echo from Amazon and ask her to play the Kudzu radio hour podcast on Apple podcast. And it'll just start playing. Also, it's available on Apple iPod, uh, bah, 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 Apple iTunes podcast. It's also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Public Radio. I mean, Radio Public. I said it wrong. I did a little dyslexic. Radio Public and other platforms. Be sure to uh, check out our magazine that we have at kudzumag.com. K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag dot com so we're going to be talking about funk right so how much better could it be to start the program out with a little bit of parliament give up the funk yeah turn it up baby turn it up parliament here we go we'll be right back with the guys right after this song tether up off we're gonna tether up off the mother sucker tether up off the sucker Tether up off, we gonna tether up off the mother sucker. Tether up off the sucker. Tether up off, we gonna tether up off the mother sucker. Tether up off the sucker. Tether up off, we gonna tether up off the mother sucker. Tether up off the sucker.
Kudzu Radio Hour with uh, my buddies, my pals, my friends. Uh, two of them in Texas, one of them in Massachusetts, but we won't hold that against him. Uh, Billy Eli is up there in Mass. And uh, hey, Billy. Hey, man. What's up, guys? Not much. And we got Patrick Beach and Jim Hemphill. What's going on? Austin, Texas, baby. Howdy. Hey, Howdy. y'all. Hey, you know, y'all. The, I'm, uh, I should say the legendary Austin, Texas, it's like the sack. It's Music City. I guess you would live, say it's the live music capital of the world. It is. It is yeah, the live music capital of the world. I've seen. No, it was. It it's, was. It's, it's the what? live music capital of Travis County. <laughs> it is uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say I've so I've seen more great music uh, in Austin, and I've only been there three times. Look, and I've man. seen more like great music there than I've seen anywhere else. It, I saw that three times. I saw that written on a sign, and you can't just put stuff on a sign. If That's it's right. Not true. I That's mean, good. we talked about that. A sign is a, a man. A sign. That, that's that's like the same as a water tank. You know, Texarkana is twice as nice. It says so right there on the goddamn water tank. And you can't just go around writing stuff on a water tank if it's not true. I mean, it's in the Bible or the Constitution or something. I think, yeah, I believe you. I believe you can do it on a train car, but you can't do it on a water tank. You can lie on a train car. Yeah. yeah. That's got to do with the interstate commerce thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. As long as you got your spray paint, you're okay. Uh, so it's time for uh, somebody cue the theme music. Uh, it's high fidelity. High fidelity. Um, I got a. I, I want to do. I want to ask a question this week. Well, I've got one all planned out. So you really surprised me when you throw these curveballs at me well y'all just y'all just be prepared to be surprised how often have i ever prepared anything? yeah never right i mean, I mean you, you you really don't have any right to ask y'all no i sit there and work on this for like hours and then i come on and you go okay i'm gonna take over here we well, go i just I, I, this is one i just thought of this will be a good one i'm gonna start okay. with patrick okay. okay here it is the most true line in any song 
any genre. And, and I and I'll and I'll kind of start to give you an example. Mine is uh my line is the line from uh Beauty Way, the song by Eliza Gilkison about her playing music, and she's got that line in there that says, by the time I hit L.A., I was hotter than a pistol, but you never really hot enough. And that, that's <laughs> stone true. <clears throat> and, and, I mean, so what, uh, the, the, the line in a rock and roll song, that, that's a solid stone, irrefutable truth. It's not a rock and roll song, but. It doesn't have to be a rock and roll song, any genre. I just, yeah. Shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's a truth in that. Yeah. Okay, uh, let, let's get let's get Jim. He looks ready. Person can work up a mean, mean thirst <laughs> after a hard day of nothing much at all. That's here comes a regular, right? That's true. That and, is and, true. And you know, and that's got another great truth line in it. Where uh, a folk, uh, what is it? A uh, folk could waste his life. God rest, God rest his, his guts. God rest yep. his guts. Yep. Uh, that was perfect. Okay, Buff, you're up. You know, the first thing that popped in my mind, and you're going to think that I'm, you, you guys are going to accuse me of uh, playing favorites, I suppose. But uh, yeah, we the first line that, that anyway. popped in my mind is written by Billy Eli. Boom! The people were, the world wasn't made for people like us. Well, that's absolutely a truth. And that is a damn truth. <laughs> All you have to do, there's four of us here, and one of us has a job. <laughs> yeah, he's, that's, that's really that's and, and i gotta tell you man you know he's a talented smart educated guy but how in the hell he's kept a job that long i have no idea <laughs> my well, you yeah. know my my uh my my second my second the second thing that popped into my mind was the entire first verse of She Looked Like Marilyn Monroe by Billy Eli. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those words are freaking true. That, that that whole song, you know, is one of my favorites. And I just, I, I swear to God, it is one of my favorites. And it always gives me chills. But there was one time at, one, at my apartment and Billy was playing it. And I was like picking lead stuff around on my acoustic guitar. And he was singing it. And I just got these chill up my back over the words to that song i was like it's you know, a great song it's a great song it's freaking yes. phenomenal it's like a. it is i should have been a poet it pays better go ahead jim better being relative right and 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 you know it pays almost as much as being a freelance journalist <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah that, and we know how much that pays right it's, we do we do since since two of y'all have that have that job i don't like to think of those as jobs man i like to think of those as callings <laughs> yeah know? it is it's called it's like it's like being called it's like my dad said when he was called to be a baptist minister well, there's no money in it, but I'm working for the Lord. And I'm like, well, I, I'm not even working for the Lord. I'm not, I'm not making any money or working for the Lord. So, but anyway, it was fun. I've had fun. And like I said, like Lester Banks said in the movie, almost famous sort of, or Philip Seymour Hoffman said, you know, you get all sorts of free records, which is, and that, that's a good perk. It really no, is. Man, I, it's, uh, 
I'm taking a philosophy class, so y'all bear with me for a minute. Oh my! <laughs> and here's uh, Aristotle over here. Well, no, here's something that it's it's funny. I wish this only class I've had that I wish was in person because we were having to we were having to source a lot of stuff back to Socrates and having watched Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. If this <laughs> were an in person class, I would insist on calling him Socrates. Socrates, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. But, but, here, but here's the thing, man. You know, as far as it's shit like money and 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 things like that, it, it especially above you and 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 you too, Patrick and myself, of course, we get paid anything we value, which is we have to have some money to get along. But money's not the main thing that we value. We value other stuff. And we get paid well in that thing that we value. Sadly, it's not anything we can trade on in the world of commerce. <laughs> that's you true. Know? That's true. But yeah. it's all—it's all in your perception, man. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. And, and and Jim, meanwhile, left journalism for an even less reputable trade. Oh, my. <laughs> I uphold I uphold the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> Let me, let me just say, man, I know, you know, sadly, and I don't know how this happened. I have to figure, you have to figure uh, that if, in fact, there is some kind of afterlife or there's some kind of, you know, merit-based reincarnation or something, you have to figure out, I, I did something pretty horrible in my previous life because look at the <laughs> amount of goddamn lawyers I'm surrounded by. Oh, yeah. uh, well, to not be a lawyer myself and to not be a career criminal, yeah. you know. But I have to say this about Jim. Out of, out of most of the lawyers I know, and, I, you know, and I'm not counting the, like, you know, solo practice ones that – you know, make a living, but mostly just pick and choose the kind of stuff they want to do. But working at a real firm, and Jim is perfectly suited to that. And one of the very few people that and I've known some of those, uh, you know, high-powered firm lawyers, it usually sucks the soul out of them. Man, Jim managed to avoid that. I always figured it was because he drank. Uh, yeah, that I could go on a whole rant about 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 how to avoid that, but suffice it to say that having a beer or two and playing music has a lot to do with it. I mean, I've been I've started playing music when I was thirteen, and I've never given it up. And that 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 does was, something to your brain that I that I welcome. I was so impressed when I first met you, and you were working at a big time firm, and did and had never bought a set of golf clubs. I mean, right. I mean, right. He and never, never right. owned a set of golf clubs, and I was like, "Yeah, he'll probably be all right." Yeah, his money went to guitars instead, which is our kind of people. Man, he's got a hellaciously good guitar collection. Yeah, yeah. So, so Buff, you going to do yours high fidelity too? Yeah, I am. Uh, for my high fidelity question, and I, I did put a little bit of thought into it. I want you guys to. Uh, uh, this is going to be which band or musician from the 70s would you consider the most valuable player? Now, that includes only people from bands or artists from January 1st, 1970 through December 31st, 1979. Oh, I want to go first. So, okay, go ahead, Billy. Phil, David Bowie. Oh, there you go. Bowie's great. And reinvented himself every four years, and every reinvention was as good or better than the last. 
and just you know, guys, guys, creative guys that are creative like that, man, it blows my damn mind how they do that. I just really, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, again, all of us, we're all writers and musicians, and you know, we have a certain amount of output that we do, and and we have times when we the outputs more and and possibly better. You know, that's subjective, but more or less. But how does a guy, how do guys like that come up with the concept, the concepts and conceptualism and the ideas and stuff every four years to be that radically different and still that damn good, man? He he, he didn't lose anything when he when he changed. And remember when he was doing that um, thin white dude thing, man? Right, yeah, yeah. And then he, and then he kind of came back with that um, – that almost kind of rock uh, rockabilly kind of looking uh uh damn uh I'm blanking on the title of the song uh, Rebel Rebel and yeah and, yeah you know and and just it's weird I wasn't ever a huge fan I never owned a single album of his oh really yeah but but man I mean you you, you can't deny the impact that that he had. And you were yeah. saying on the seventies, not just on music, man, but on pop culture and 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 fashion and all that stuff. Anyway, that's my pick. Yeah, I would say I I'll agree with that. Bowie, uh, he's one of my all-time favorites. Unlike you, though, I had and still do have probably every album that he ever did. And one one thing you talk about uh, valuable players and being prolific. You know, think back to the 70s, how these artists would put out an album every year or two. You know, it's like they didn't wait 10 years. A lot of them, like David Bowie, like every time you turned around, there was, you know, I remember like in Circus Magazine, they have the top 25 or 30 listed every issue. And there was always like three David Bowie albums in there at the same time, two by the Stones, you know, two by Alice Cooper. So, I mean, you know, they'd really just crank stuff out more back then. But anyway, that being said, most valuable player, Jim. Uh, yeah, this one, this one is, is hard, really, really hard for me. And, and to show how hard it is, I never would have thought of Bowie, and that's the perfect answer. Sylvain, so, Sylvain. so, so I just, I just don't know where to go from Bowie because I think everything, every, any other answer is going to be second place. Behind yeah, yeah, probably. And that is such a, that's such a great answer. And you're looking for a single human being, right? Not or a, a, or a, a, it could be a group. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, unsurprisingly go with the four headed monster known as the Ramones. Uh, I, I just think that, <laughs> that, that, you know, there's lots of stuff that happened in the seventies before the Ramones that I, that I dig very, very much. But to me, that was such a seismic shift back to the primal stuff that, that made rock and roll great in the first place. I was going to say Keith Richards because of his just ability to write those monster riffs, but he wrote so a lot of them in the sixties as well. So, you know, if we're, if we're confining ourselves just to what happened in the seventies, I'm going to say the Ramones, but I also would, would have a pitch in for, for Keith. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. What what about you, Patrick? Patrick. Well, uh, first person I thought of was, uh, Mick Taylor. 
but he was only with the Stones for I think three albums, three of their best albums to be sure, and, and definitely their creative peak. Well, but it's, it's your story. Tell it however you <laughs> want. But but I'm gonna go with Saint Joe Strummer. He might have been our only decent teacher. You know, if the Clash had not existed, there would have been a huge hole in the punk, punk scene. They evolved very rapidly and got very ambitious. They they went from punk into you know Americana and uh, hip hop and reggae and all kinds of stuff in just a few short years. And of course, Stronger was the conscience of the band as well as its principal lyricist. Uh, Mick Jones didn't care much about politics; he just wanted to be a pop star. But uh, you know, with somebody like Joe Strummer in the band, the the Appalachian, the only band that matters, really fit to the Clash. So I'm going with Saint Joe. I have a I have a sticker on my f- guitar flight case that says "God bless Joe Strummer." So I can you do. In, you do in fact. You do in fact have that sticker on your guitar case. Yeah. Don't you have Don't you have one on your office chair that said uh, says What would Joe Strummer do? That Pete gave you. No, Pete gave me the "God bless Joe Strummer" because ah, we were okay. talking about all the "God bless Johnny Cash" stickers, which I which I dig, and I said, and the "God bless John Wayne," which I dig less. And uh, and I said someone should make Why a bumper do you sticker. Hate America. So someone should make a bumper sticker that says "God bless Joe Strummer." And like two weeks later, I came into work and it was that one of those very bumper stickers was sitting in my chair. I so got it wrong. I got it well, uh, when you talk about bumper stickers, I've just got to toss this out. I've, uh, my old guitar that was damaged in a wreck I had uh, a few years ago. The case is still really fine, but the the acoustic guitar was all beaten to death, but it has all my stickers on the case. So I'm keeping the case, but I have a, a sticker that was given to me by Billy Joe Shaver when I interviewed him and, uh, it's gotten a lot of comments and it's just simply one of his song titles, but it, it says, if you don't love Jesus, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and that really goes up really well in South Carolina. That's funny, um, man. But uh, my uh, most valuable player, when I thought about it, I was thinking about somebody that, you know, got in the recording studio and uh, and just added magic to just tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of records. And that was Dwayne Allman. Oh, I was going to say Don Brewer. Oh, Don Brewer, <laughs> yeah. He was out on the road for 40 days. Did you hear about that? I did, I did the, hear about uh, that, man. But the uh, no, we Dwayne. Got real about the cheetahs and all. <laughs> well, Sweet Sweet Connie was in a whole other. She was. Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Buff. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Anyway, Dwayne Allman, King of the World, Master of the Universe. He was a, uh, you know, to be to have died so young. He really laid down tracks on some of the greatest R and B and some of the just generally greatest songs and. That's a conversation me and Jim have had before about uh, the records that he played on. It wasn't the fact that what he played was so damn amazing because, I mean, there are a lot of really amazing guitar players. The amazing thing was he did all that before he was 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that that's the part that blows your brain out of your head. It really does. When you're like, wow. He did that. He was 22 when he recorded that. Hard to believe. Uh, yeah, that's that's the thing that that is is you know just mind numbing. Anyway, I'm sorry, Buff. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Don't be sorry. I love the way you added to it. The uh, you know I had uh, read a story one time. Wilson Pickett was talking about 
the whole time, you know, how he met Dwayne and, and uh, Dwayne said he wanted him to record Hey Jude. And Pickett was like, are you insane? That's like a big hit for the Beatles. And Dwayne, no, man, it'll work. It'll work. And he said, uh, they recorded it. He said, when you put that trail out lead on the end, he said, I never heard anything like it. Never heard anything like it, especially in an R&B record. But, uh, yeah, anyway, Dwayne. And, and that Wilson, that Wilson Pickett version of Hey Jude, man, that's soulful as hell. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, just. Wicked uh, Pickett was badass, that, man. Well, and, 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 uh, and Dwayne's playing on that, man. And, and Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, of course, his work on my all-time favorite <laughs> album, which was uh, Layla and Other Love Songs. Uh, yeah. Tried to like that album. <laughs> uh, do what? I tried to like that album. Oh God, it's one of my, it's my favorite. I, I know it's a, I know it's a lot of it's it's a favorite of a lot of people. Hey, we so we're talking about the singing the seventies. I'm surprised uh, nobody mentioned Elton John. No, uh, another guy that was kind of like Bowie that could reinvent himself and his style and and go outward and had thousands of imitators and. The influence, the the influence that he had, uh, the the impact that he that he made on on, on all popular music is, is pretty hard to. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty hard to, to deny that. I mean, although I get that that Jim and uh and, and Patrick kind of stayed in in the in the punk genre, which those are two really good choices for that, which in the seventies was you know a booming thing. I wonder if, if our, you know, I don't know the demographic of our listeners, but, uh, you know, people that now, if you think about the Ramones or, or even the Pistols and and you remember them, you say, oh, yeah, they're a pop, punk band, you know, they were like the prototypes of the, of the punk groups. And people forget what a big, exciting thing that was in the 70s, man. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, because now it's everywhere. But, I mean, that was unique at the time, man. I mean, it was. It was. was. And, uh, I mean, if if what you had had access to was uh, Nashville country, like in my case, and uh, what makes the classic rock and roll stuff, uh, you know, Journey and Foreigner and you think about all that stuff, and then you think, "Damn!" And then, and then you heard the Clash, or you heard the Ramones. Oh hell yeah! I mean, that just, well, you know, it goes, it goes back. You over. It goes back. To, I've got to say this. It goes back. You know, here I'm. You know, I'm raised in this whole Southern rock thing and all like that. But when I moved to New York, you know, in '79, lived up there. Uh, well, I mean, before that, God, it was before that. What am I? My dates are completely messed up. 76, whatever it was, it was, uh, I, um, mm, went to see the Ramones at CBGB's and, uh, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. And, uh, it, uh, it just boggled my mind because you're right. It was something so different and there was absolutely no wasted time no talking between songs and every song was two minutes. It's like, blow your fucking head off and go on to the next one. Bam, 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 bam. That wasn't show business. That was a band playing. Yeah, this is great. And it it was, they didn't even say thank you, kiss my foot or anything. It just keep just, just went one after another, after another. And, and I just, it was so exciting. Um, 
you know, of course, and then I didn't get into the class until years later when I was in college and my roommate turned me on to clash. And I was like, the first thing I got was, uh, the little 10 inch record they put out. Uh, I can't remember what the name of it was. Um, black market clash. Yeah. Black market clash. That's the first thing I got <laughs> so into the 10 inch albums that they were coming out. You know, they did, uh, Joe Jackson did his on a 10 inch. Uh, uh, the look sharp. Seven inch leather heels. Yeah, no, that's a whole different thing. Right. But, so, yeah. But man, we're talking about, and, and Jim brought up the Ramones, and, and that uh, triggered a memory. My uh, my oldest daughter is 26 now, and this would have been, I don't know, 11 years ago. She's 14 or 15, and it was funny. She, I don't know how she got turned on to it, but she went through this phase now where for about six months, she didn't listen to anything but the Ramones. And and uh, it was already in the earbuds phase, so I didn't hear the music coming out of her room, but I'd hear her in there singing, you know, she is punk. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. I, and I remember at one point, uh, Jim, you, you were over at the house and, and – and y'all were talking about the Ramones and you were telling her some, some, there's some songs that she was not aware of and that she ought to check out by them. And, and that, yeah. And that rocked along for, I don't know, about two years. And then, you know, she wandered back into whatever was being played on the local pop station, which a lot of that stuff, was, man, let me just say a lot of that stuff was cool too. Uh, again, not, not my cup of tea, but not bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that'll that'll wrap up our extended edition of High Fidelity, and uh, as all as always, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. We're gonna move into our little recommendations thing now. Like I said earlier, I'm gonna shoot mine out and uh, and and then run an errand or two. <laughs> I'll grab a beer. Yeah, important things. Uh, I uh, my recommendations. Um, yeah, I, I've got two. I try to I try to narrow them down, but there's a couple of things that rocked my world this week, and one of them was brought about by the uh, uh, the kind fellows that I met through Billy's Friday afternoon happy hour, who told me uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, you know, if you like Cream Magazine, have you seen Ugly Things? And I'm like, what What is that? I had no earthly idea. Well, now I do. I've got, uh, I actually have uh, copies. I ordered, let's see, the last four issues of Ugly Things. So this thing comes in, and it's kind of like a cross between a fanzine and a magazine and a book. And it's perfect bound. I was wondering why, you know, it was nine ninety five an issue. I thought, well, that's pretty expensive. But then when you get it and you look at it, it's like, a book so it's like really well worth it especially given that the writing in this magazine is just really on par with a lot of the stuff that i loved back in the 70s uh, uh you know the first thing i found was a uh, a book review about karen carpenter that was written by this um uh lesbian I, author <laughs> and she talks about she's a, she's a lesbian author and very proudly uh proclaims um that and says that the um uh i mean she looks at it from the lgbtq uh point of view 
So, you know, the thing that she, me and that author had in common is we both had a crush on Carrie Carpenter, which is cool. Um, but I've, the, heard about, I've heard about this book. I hear it's a slim volume. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 I got a million of them. I'll be here all night. It's really, it, yeah, it gets, it gets smaller every day. Uh, but there were other things in here, too. There was a, uh, a, review, a review of the reissue of uh, mm. Captain Beefheart's Trout Mask Replica. It was written like a Lester, it's like a Lester Bangs style. Uh, and then uh, there was a review of Bob Dylan's uh, Rolling Thunder review box set. And um, just tons of album reviews, ugly things. I suggest anybody who likes uh, and a wide variety of music. Uh, I'm looking right now, the cover of this one's got Dead Boys, Johnny Blitz interview, Skip Spence, uh, the Groupies, uh, just all kinds of bands, you know, stuff like this. Really good. One of them I read an interview with uh, Lenny K. It was really good. So anyway, really good. So that's one, that's recommendation number one. Number two is uh, I just started watching it today, but I saw on Twitter, I uh, follow uh, Amy Lee of Evanescence, who I just dearly, 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 dearly love. And uh, she had put that she was on the uh, She Rocks Awards last night, which uh, I didn't know it was on, but by the time I knew it was off, but she said, here's a link and it's on YouTube. So the whole thing, uh, She Rock Awards is on YouTube. And I'm not, you know, awards, you know, here and there, that's fine. But it's the performances and seeing some of these artists I haven't seen in a long time, like Sherry Curie uh, sings a song, uh, one of her new songs. And it's kind of like a duet with uh, Susie Quattro. And it's really cool. And That's this, probably pretty good, man. It's really good. Sherry uh, sounds great. She sounds just like. I always, better thought, I always thought she could sing, you know? I mean, yeah, I she's just, great. She's great. Not, she, I just never did care for the Kim Fowley touch. Anymore. No, I don't care for him at all. But but the, uh, the, the thing is virtual. It's a virtual awards, which, you know, takes. There's no applause or anything. It's kind of like watching a football game with no. Uh, audience with the sound off huh with the sound off yeah it it leaves you kind of a weird feeling but uh anyway the show you're not taking enough you need to up the dose and then it'll make more sense yeah Uh, besides that it's got uh, amy lee playing piano and singing solo on this beautiful new song uh about uh her uh, my voice i think it's called and also they have the Go-Go's. Yeah, I hadn't seen them in, together in a long time. Uh, nice. Lizzie Hale and Billy's uh, favorite, Nancy Wilson from Heart. And uh, I knew better than to put Heart on that death list last time. I do I do not have anything against Heart. I just never thought list. they were very – I death never list. thought they were very exciting. They were, they were phenomenally good players man i just did not find anything that they did very interesting it would you know yeah well i kind of can see that i mean yeah how many times can you hear barracuda or magic man but uh by the same token uh i just dearly love ann wilson's voice i like to hear her when she covers zeppelin tunes 
She really yeah. smokes her balls. That, that was when they were the most interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Look at well, that's my recommendations, and uh, we'll just uh, um, Billy, me, will one, guide, Billy will guide the other all well, three. Well, they were one of those bands that to me was like Night Ranger, man. They can all play. There just oh, wasn't very much there. No, you know? uh, I fully agree with that. I feel, well, I'm that way with Aria Speedwagon. Yeah, and, I get uh, them too. And, and, and in my opinion, most of their stuff that uh, – so many of those 70s bands, man. Those guys like Toto were the same way. I mean, you're listening to them play, and it's like, my God, the stuff that they're playing is just, they are phenomenally talented musicians, but it's just not very interesting. Uh, dribble, yeah. All I right. think they were all session. I think Toto was all session guys. Yeah, well, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then so were the Eagles, and they were at least interesting, you know. It was a. I mean, well, I mean love them, love them, hate Luther. them. They weren't boring. Yeah. Was Steve Lukather and Toto still? Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. yeah he's amazing. <clears throat> Great guitar player. All right, you guys go ahead and. Uh, All right, uh, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go next because I don't have a list. So I want what I want to do with uh, Jim and Patrick instead is talk about their uh, favorite session guitar player. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I hope I've got to guess. Well, and, I, and, that, and this just came up because Buff was talking about uh, about Dwayne Allen, who, you know, I mean, he was not unknown or underrated. So, uh, and, and and here's what I was thinking in the 80s, man. Uh, uh, after uh, Billy Idol had left Generation X and, and was doing that, uh, Rebel Yell and all that stuff. Uh, who was that monster guitar player yet? Steve Stevens. Steve Smith. Steve Stevens. Steve Stevens. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and and he's one of those guys that that man, those records they wouldn't have been anywhere near what they were without that guy. He was as he was as important as Billy Idol in that. What? Uh, well, and when when uh, Idol was at ACL Fest a few years ago, Stevens was with him. Yeah, he still he still gets well, a, a lot of a lot of those pairings. You guys, oh, you, you uh, come on, man! Somebody, somebody, jump in and Steve Cropper. Okay, yeah, another yeah. guy that's played on what twenty thousand albums or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, what yeah. about you, Jim? Well, I mean, if you're talking about like pure session guys who really didn't do, I, I was really talking more about some sidekick kind of guys, man. Like, like, uh, but but straight session is fine too. I mean, two two great ones from the '60s that I that I think were great players were Tommy Tedesco and Louis Shelton. Oh, yeah, both great players. Yeah. Yeah. Both both wrecking crew guys <laughs> and right. played on a bunch of that Southern California stuff. A bunch of the the great guitar parts on some of the Monkees songs. Yeah. Uh, uh, played Tommy Tedesco played on just about every film soundtrack and TV soundtrack and and commercial and commercial and, and everything. Um, you know, for 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 side guys, you know, I I Skunk Baxter, who's been in what uh, a good what a good choice. Stevie Dan and the Doobie Brothers and played some great leads and 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 done a lot of session work as well is is a name that that comes to mind. As and well. is a good pedal steel player. Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, he's a he's a weird guy. He's also a missile defense expert. Yeah, yeah, and works yeah. for the Department of Defense. Right, but but he's a, he's a weird guy, quite intelligent and plays some great solos. Uh, and and is a is a terrific player. So that's you know that's one of the the names that comes up. And of course, uh, 
you know, there's all those 70s studio cats who played on Steely Dan records like Elliot Randall and and uh, Lee Rittenauer, of course, Larry Carlton. Right. Uh, all great players as well. And well, Lukather, I mean, and Lukather, Steve Lukather from Toto has played on a metric ass ton of records and and, uh and is a great player he's kind of a he's a difficult personality from what i understand but he is a he's a he's a hell of a player and buff i didn't want to leave the uh high fidelity so i just uh, instead of doing a recommendation i just did another high fidelity question (laughs) oh he didn't hear me he didn't have it that's all right are you are you back buff yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to do a recommendation, so I asked another yeah. high fidelity question. Oh, uh, well, that's okay. Oh, good, good, good. So uh, yeah. you you already got that done, then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patton, Patton, uh, Patton, and Jimbo there, and I and I'm not going to tell you what it was, but my answer was Steve Stevens. <laughs> oh, greatest session guitar player. Well, that was yeah. That our tandem, our tandem with a our tandem with a with a front guy, and I got yeah. that well, because you were talking about uh you were talking about we were talking about Dwayne Allen earlier. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, recommendations. How about you, uh, Pat? You got anything to recommend? Yeah, uh, I was gonna recommend a book. I'm 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 just now at long last getting to How to Be an Anti Racist by Ibram X Kendi, but I haven't finished it yet. So. I'll, I'll probably recommend that next week so I can finish it and sound even smarter or even less like I know what I'm talking about. So in a surprise development, in a surprise development, this week's true crime recommendation on Netflix <laughs> is a brand new four parter called Night Stalker about the hunt for a serial killer in 1984 and 1985 in Richard Los Angeles. Right. The very one. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it was Richard Ramirez, but it was about trying to find him in this this great uh, ex-bourbon megalopagus because he killed he killed people in Los Angeles proper, in L.A. County and within all these other municipalities all through the greater valley, which had their own law enforcement systems. And the thing that I didn't remember, because this was quite some time ago, is he didn't have an he didn't have an M.O. that he stuck to. He didn't just kill. Sometimes he would rape and rob and kill. Sometimes he would just kidnap and let them go. The one thing, there were two things that were consistent. The, uh, the people who uh, survived his attacks all said that he very much wanted to see terror on their faces. And the other consistency and the one piece of physical evidence that was uh, consistent was he always wore the same kind of sneaker and that was one of the first pieces but you you see all these uh retired homicide detectives from all these different jurisdictions talk about how frustrating it was how they just killed themselves trying to find out who did this and in one case he actually killed he attacked twice in one night and yet they were terrible at sharing information with one another. Right. It was Which, like you just said, those little individual fiefdoms didn't, they didn't cooperate. Very right. Well. Right. Now, uh, the, the filmmaker, uh, his name is, uh, Tiller. 
Morris, something like that. He's made a bunch of other documentary films. A lot of these retired detectives come off as sort of heroes of the story. And it certainly sounds like they've worked themselves nearly to death and worked themselves into divorces in some cases to uh, to crack this case. But if you watch it and I recommend you do because it's extremely well directed and nicely shot. Keep in mind this was an especially dark time for uh, law enforcement in, in greater Los Angeles. This was the Daryl the Gates era. And, uh, you know, LA, LA County has, LA County <laughs> sheriffs has long had a lot of problems on their own. I have a question about the, about the series, man. Does it, uh, it uh, are they, are they able to at least semi accurately capture the sense of terror that that put over, I mean, all uh, all of Los Angeles County, and and yeah. uh, and uh, y'all, everybody knows my wife Pam, and she went to law school in L.A. They had been in L.A. two weeks when he mur- when he there was a murder that that he did that was uh, they were living up near Northridge, and and uh, it, it was only a couple of miles from where they lived. And it's when she when she talks about that, the scary thing she said the scary thing was that, uh, uh, from from her point of view about that time, it was so damn random. He was not he was not geographically contained like like most mm-hmm. people are to a thing. It was all over. It was it was all over Southern California. And wasn't he even a tri- uh, a murder up in San Francisco was attributed to him? I think, but. Uh, Pam remembers when she when she got there. It was the middle of a heat wave, and people were sleeping with their they were sleeping with their windows open. And yeah, and the L.A. Sheriff's Department said you can't do that because that's how he was getting in. He was getting in through open windows, yeah. and and uh, and that that that's really not much about the the series you're talking about, but. That was Pam's recollection of being there when that was happening. Yeah. Well, uh, to answer your question, they do they do really, really <clears throat> finally establish this this palpable sense of ongoing fear. Right. And not only that, uh, it's got the look of the de- the time down too. With uh, in addition to having you know period footage from crime scenes and things like that, they they do uh, a few subtle reenactments that you can barely tell our reenactments so it's quite well done it's just four episodes and uh and spoiler alert it's about richard ramirez <laughs> yeah i mean well he was he, he was known as the night stalker mm. i didn't know anything about it but when you said true crime and night stalker i was like oh it must be about richard ramirez mm-hmm. yeah anyway uh yeah no All right, jim yeah cool um I'm, I'm gonna have to check that out you know i i also followed a case uh, of a guy that was sometimes called the original night stalker who actually was before Richard Ramirez and killed some people mostly in Santa Barbara County and, and in, in Orange County. And then years later was connected through DNA to a series of several dozen break-ins and rapes in the Sacramento area. And, uh, wow, I've never heard of that one. Yeah. Before. And he was caught through fam- using familial DNA about three years ago. And, uh, and before he was caught, uh, a writer named Michelle McManus, who was married to Patton Oswalt, wrote a, wrote a bestseller called All Be Gone in the Dark and rechristened him the Golden State Killer because he had very se- several different names. And, uh, 
ended up getting caught uh, and is, you know, obviously serving a life term now caught him when he was in his seventies. But I mean, he wreaked terror for many, many, many years and mostly just raped people in, in the Sacramento area, but then down in Southern California killed people. And for a long time, because of the lack of communication between different law enforcement fiefdoms that Pat mentioned, they didn't even know it was the same guy. Right. And it took some stellar detective work pre-DNA to even have the theory that it was the same guy. And she led, uh, she led the cold case investigators. You know, she, she, Michelle McNamara, oh, uh, she, the oh, okay. author, she, she actually died before, before he got caught. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I, I, I don't remember any of the details of that case, but I remember, uh, I remember when that happened. I remember the headlines. He got busted through like ancestry.com or something, right? Something, something similar like to that. that. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, like an ancestral DNA website that people voluntarily opt into right. knowing that law enforcement has access and, to it. And he didn't opt in, but some, one of his relatives did. Right. And it was enough. Yes. Uh, yeah. And they're right. Yeah. And it was enough of a match that, that they contacted whoever had opted in and, and that led to him. Yeah. I remember reading about that a few years ago, which, I had never heard of that case, which, you know, I mean, almost all the big serial, the big, uh, you know, uh, uh, sensational serial killers, you know, you hear, you hear about, and, and it depends on the splash they made with the media, how well you remember them. I remember uh, reading about, of course, I wasn't born yet, the Carol Chessman, you know, the red light killer and what was what was strange man i mean that guy became really well known and he but i mean the, the body counting that was only like four i yeah. mean it wasn't yeah. you know but it was just it was real sensational and and then he got all those stays of execution yeah yeah well this this guy the, the golden state killer as he f- finally became famous uh under the name you know, he started in the early seventies. He wasn't caught till 2018. Uh, his name's Joe D'Angelo and he is, he's in, he's in prison for the rest of his miserable life. But anyway, that's, they, that's, that's, that's they, kind of a sidelight to my, to my, they, they made, they made a documentary series about that as well. Yeah. And Pat, yeah. Patton Oswalt was touring for the book and they were shooting some B roll for the documentary series when the guy when got they caught. caught him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's a, to what series is that? It's called I'll be it, gone in the dark. Oh, that, oh, that's the name of the series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was also the name of the book. But my recommendations, <laughs> I'm going to make them quick. Number one is something that came into came to me in the mail, for, courtesy of Mr. Billy Eli, and it's the Intervention <laughs> Intervention Records reissue of the Flying Burrito Brothers' Gilded Palace of Sin on yeah. uh, 180-gram vinyl. It sounds amazing. It is completely dead quiet. Um I'm not one of these guys who's going to tell you that vinyl sounds better than CDs. I don't think my ears are good enough for that. I just know that the whole tactile experience of pulling this out of its heavyweight jacket with beautiful artwork and putting it on the turntable and hearing it dead quiet on a turntable through a stereo system is, is really something. So check out Intervention Records. They are, they're doing a lot of reissues. They're doing some of the, some of the great Matthew Sweet stuff from- Right, the, I, I, I saw those too, yeah. From the 90s and uh, all kinds of stuff. And they're doing both vinyl and CD, uh, archival quality reissues. So, uh, but the Gilded Palace is in, it sounds great. The other one is, uh, as the day that we are recording this is the birthday of one of the greatest rock and roll singers in the history of the world 
Robin Zander of Cheap Trick. Ah, yes, it is. 68 years old today. Yes, it is. And so if you like rock and roll and you don't have the first album, Cheap Trick's first album, in Cheap Trick in Color, Heaven Tonight, and Live at Budokan, go get them now. Right now. Put it on pause, order them. Some of the <laughs> some of the best American rock and roll ever made is on those records. You so come back and just listen Robin to the podcast. Right. Happy that's birthday, right. Robin Zander. So that's all uh, I got. Okay, Buff, uh, you're up. Well, all right, man. Well, all right. That's uh Love Robin Zander. Love cheap trick, actually. But uh well, um we're Why going to play a record. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna play. What record, record. We're gonna play Buff. What record? It's funny. Uh, I want to play somebody that I'd never heard until a couple of days ago. Uh, okay. My because I've gotten into this Ugly Things magazine, and because they review just countless different types of artists, I decided to expand expand the boundaries of Kudzu magazine by reviewing you know much more diversified uh, artists. You know, you know, and, and because I get all kinds of CDs in the mail, and in the past, it's kind of like if I didn't recognize the band name, or if it wasn't Southern Rock, I kind of I skipped over it because I only have so many hours in the day, and you know, two eyes and two ears. But what I'm going to do now is I've been kind of like getting some other folks to help write reviews and stuff, and. Um, all that being said, there's this uh, duo. They're actually they actually have a band. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I did with the press release, but they have a band too. But they recorded this EP. It's the Gold Hope Duo, and the girl is uh, uh, Laura Hope, and her husband plays uh, stand-up uh, um, doghouse bass, and she plays acoustic guitar. And they're rockabilly, and they recorded a um, six-song EP called "Songs in the Key of Quarantine." And uh, as I said on the um, uh, happy hour thing when we were talking last night with some of us, um, I I usually run screaming from uh, you know anybody who does these, what I call timely topic. Timely yeah. topics like, like whenever everybody was writing songs about 9/11 right after 9/11 and um, writing about the California fires or the school shootings or whatever. But you watch it, it, man, I wrote about the California fires. Yeah, I know. Well, so did I. But the uh, <laughs> but but it's uh, the uh, but that that being said, you know, sometimes uh, there are those that that come across, you know, and, and sound good. Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say other than I like this girl's voice. I like their sound. It's rockabilly. And uh, they have songs on there like Social Distancing, Blues, um, No Time to Get Bored, When Will I See Grandma Again. Uh, they did a cover of Foo Fighters Times Like These, which is cool. But my favorite song is the one we're going to play right now. And uh, I want to dedicate this song to Billy Eli. Thanks, man. Uh, what song is it? A Bad Time to Quit Drinking. Oh, yeah. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. I'll tell you what, tell me, tell me when in the bad time to quit drinking. Yeah, yeah there. It's, it's all a bad time. All right, well, here we go. And that's, uh, that's like I say, this is uh, the Gold Hope duo from the, uh, from the EP, Songs in the Key of Quarantine. We'll be right back in just a minute. Here we go. I picked a bad time to quit drinking. What the hell was I thinking? I picked a bad time to quit drinking. Cause the world has been postponed. I picked a bad time to quit drinking. Miss the sound of bottles clanking. I fear my ship's already sinking. So I might as well get stoned. This old town has been shut down. The streets are paved with fear. Up here I picked a bad time to quit drinking What the hell was I thinking? I picked a bad time to quit drinking Cause the world has been postponed I picked a bad time to quit drinking Missed the sound of bottles clanking I feel my ship's already sinking And I'm stuck right here at home Well I ain't got a show to play And you just got laid off Just like that, as if by magic, Gold Hope Duo and bad time to quit drinking. So what we're going to do now is we're going to get funky. You know, four white guys getting as funky as we possibly can. And uh, it's... Uh, Two of them are from Iowa now, don't forget that. Yeah, and Iowa, and we all know how much... That will be discussed. That, and, and I mean, you know, because that's the mecca of fun. You just wait. You just Iowa, wait to see Iowa what I've got in store. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay, guys, okay. this is a challenge. This is my challenge to you. I, being the ambassador of Southern Rock, am so tired of people saying, hey, Buff, 
you know all about Southern rock, but you don't know anything about other music, do you? And I'm like, what? So anyway, so I'm going to prove to you by going first and listing my five. And I challenge you to pick five better funk songs than what I picked. I okay. challenge you. All right. Anybody, anybody, just try. You bring it. <laughs> my number five, baby, is a, one artist, two songs. Because I couldn't pick which one of his two was the funkiest. I tried, you know, I, I tried to gauge it. I tried to figure out just how much funk could I handle. Is, is this going to be Bootsy? It's going to be Bootsy, isn't Stevie it? Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. Another good choice. Man. Higher and Ground. Jim, and oh, Jim's yeah. list just went dead. Higher no. Ground and Superstition. So, oh, no yeah. No funk. The funk is just running off of those songs. I mean, you have to scoop that funk up with a spoon, baby. It's good. Ooh, like a shovel. I love you. Got to shovel the funk. Shovel the funk. Shovel <laughs> the funk, baby. That's my next. That's my next song. I got to write that. That so my number five is a tie of two Stevie Wonder songs. Now I know there's going to be some overlap with our stuff, and that's fine. Because, you know, if it's funky, that's all that matters. Number four for me is a fella that I just dearly love. The late, great, how? James Brown. Sex Machine. That's right. As the funkiest song in the world. There's no denying James Brown band is always, always tighter than pantyhose, two sizes small. Man, tight. I'm talking about tight sex machine. Yeah, I like to crank that stuff up. I mean, uh, I almost did Papa's Got a Brand New Bag, but no, I went with sex machine. Get up off that thing. Get up <laughs> off of that thing. How? <laughs> Popcorn. Try to, try, try to relieve some pressure. Ow! <laughs> Lord have mercy, man. <laughs> Soul and funk coming out left and right. Number three. I take all the good ones, man. I'm gonna be left with goddamn disco duck and shit yeah. like that. Yeah, play that funky music, white boy. <laughs> oh god! All right, go ahead. Number three, uh, it goes without saying, is one of my all-time favorites by a little group called Parliament. Yeah. Wow. Up the funk. Wow. Didn't didn't see that coming. Give up the funk. Tear the roof off that sucker. Parliament. Man, I can remember going to see a KISS concert back when the concerts were so much fun. And before the show, they were playing this song through the PA. And all of the, uh, they were bouncing these giant balloons around in the audience, throwing Frisbees, smoking weed. It was the good days, man. And was playing a <laughs> give up the funk. And I was like, yeah, yeah, man, you, yeah. You, got, you got to have that funk. <laughs> yeah, you do. And you know, you talk about me making bad puns. Come on. Uh, number two. It's different number, ones. Two, number two, like I said, I'm getting funky. I, I, I feel funky. 
I feel you, funky. And you and you look funky. <laughs> I feel and funky. I, and, I, and, I, and I'm not there in, in, in Spartanburg, but I would guess that you smell funky. Well, I was going to say this next song is funkier. This next song is funkier than my jump socks after a workout. This is <laughs> Slide the Family Stone. Ah. Thank you for letting me be myself. Man, damn it, you've, you've killed everybody's <laughs> list. <laughs> That's the plan. I want to thank you, Paul. Yeah. Let me be myself, myself. Jim, Jim, I see you. I see you crossing things off with yep, a pen. Yep, yep, Your yep, list yep. is dead. <laughs> no, I, I, I will elaborate on some of these. Jim's, Jim's going to go, wait a minute, how... That doll song was kind of funky. I'm, I'm gonna uh, say, yeah, when it's my turn, I'm gonna say just buff reading your list again. <laughs> number one for me, and I don't think it gets more funky for me than Isaac Hayes. Oh, you goddamn it, buff! <laughs> the theme from Shaft. Oh, oh, yeah. That shaft is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm talking about, Talk about, I'm talking about John Shaft. I'm talking about John Shaft. And we can dig it. Can you Damn dig it, it? man? Damn can you it. Dig you it? killed me. You, my list is totally dead. Now. Okay, as if that weren't enough, and don't you think it should be two honorable mentions? Yeah. Two honorable mentions. The Osley Brothers. The Osley Brothers, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. And the instrumental by Billy Preston called Out of Space, which was funkier than funky. But yeah, I mean, uh, we were supposed to have done five. You did eight or something, well, that's man. Right. <laughs> that's right. And I'm the first one here to break the rules. Right. Sure. Um, well, okay, funk masters. You know, you know that thing about uh, about the th uh, Isaac Hayes and the theme from Shaft, man. Uh, nobody understands him but his woman. That's right. That's, that's, He's a complicated man. He's a complicated man. I, I, you're talking about John Shaft. John Shaft, also known as the Black Moses. Uh, that's a whole other story. You know, Isaac did an album called Black Moses, and uh, the. Uh, I, I still have out. that album on eight track somewhere of hot buttered soul. Y'all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the 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 uh, the uh, uh, Black Moses record album folded out four ways like a cross, and in the uh, the center fold was uh, Isaac with the uh, chain vest mm -hmm. and yeah. everything and the dark yeah. sunglasses <laughs> hanging. Hanging in my bedroom beside my Alice Cooper killer album cover poster. Two good choices, by his man. Two excellent choices. Yeah, I had all that hanging in there, and my mother would not go into my bedroom. And she's <laughs> like, my mother, God rest her soul, she didn't say anything about Alice Cooper hanging there with blood running out of his mouth, but she said, Michael, that black man scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a I'm like, you talking about Shaft? I have a friend of mine that li that lives here. He's a musician and uh, he's a young guy. And we, uh, he comes he comes by sometimes and and uh, we sit on a porch and talk about music and and uh, he had brought his he's he had brought a friend of his uh, this young woman named Rachel and me and him had started talking about, uh, Stax records and, and that old Memphis sound. And I, I was talking about, uh, 
that I had brought up uh, Isaac Hayes and the fact that it wasn't, you know, he wasn't just a star on his home and good guy. He, he played B3 on what almost everything that came out of stacks. That was him playing. That was him playing Oregon, right? And we were talking about that in his in his roommate. His roommate says, uh, "I've never, I've never heard of, uh, I've never heard of that. Who, who, who are y'all talking about?" And I just pulled it up on my phone and showed her a picture, and she said. I think I'm pregnant just looking at that picture. <laughs> oh God! I mean, man, he, he did. He oozed sex, man. I mean, uh, but uh, yeah. So right. So the fact that it scared your mother doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. It's so weird because she she was scared of him, but she had a kind of a crush on Barry White. <laughs> Well, that's because you know why, man. That's because Barry White wasn't aggressive, man. He was. He was a velvet teddy bear, you know. Yeah, yeah, he was, and and Ozzy Case was. Yeah, he was. He was. Was a bad mother. Shut your mouth. All right. Well, we're going with the funk. Let's get the funk going. I know Billy, you don't want to go next. So uh, you're going to wait and see what everybody says. I'm sure. Well, because you've already killed my damn list. Let's throw a curveball and get Patrick to go next. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of sloppy seconds, but uh, <clears throat> hey, hey, Jim, let's make fun of Patrick's list. You want to? <laughs> these these are in no order, or whatever. But uh, the very first one. Who's Cardu? No, the very first one has <laughs> got to be play that funky music. That is. Oh, there he goes. That song yeah, is. Uh, that song is a oh. party. I had to go back and listen to it. I was like, I need to go back and listen to this to make sure it's as great yeah. as I remember. It was, it's got that vocal. It's got that popping bass. It's got that that funky guitar part that sounds like it has a little wah on it, but I don't think it's a wah. I mean, you just know when Wild Cherry was in the studio cutting that, they had strippers and reefer. Okay, and there was cocaine. There was hookers. <laughs> there was a fire truck. <laughs> yeah, a fire truck. <laughs> and of course, one of the moving right along. One of the one of the keys to having a funky groove is that it not be too fast. You know, all the great beat masters like Dre and and people like that. They slow it down. They they establish a good bedrock groove and just work the song up around it. And uh, a great example of that. And if you get up around, you get up around 120 beats per minute, you lose your driver's license for life. You know, that's, that's the absolute limit. Then, so it's, my, then it starts being disco, man. Right, I mean, then, right. it, then it morphs yeah. into more disco than funk, but yeah. So I was, I'm, uh, I'm going with one that I, I wonder if Jim, I might be stealing another one of Jim's, but I'm going with Swamp by Talking Heads. Ooh, that's a you good know, choice. It's just a minimal groove. It's slow. It's high, 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 high. <laughs> There's not that much there, but man, it's so cool and it feels so good. And, you know, that the, the minimalism thing, or even sometimes the simple vamp is all you need to build a a great funky song around be it in rhythm and blues or hip hop or even blues, which brings me to Manish boy by muddy waters. 
That's not a bad choice at all. There's right. not much. For, to for, that and, and we're we're talking about funk groove now. We're not we're right. not just talking about horns and the arrangement and all right. that. I mean, we're right. we're talking about songs with a with a really good funk groove in them. Yeah. You just you just plant that groove and you sit on it and it yeah, gets that's it a good gets, one, man. It gets better and better the longer it goes on. Um, and of course, yeah, another for the uh, the world's greatest funk collective out of, I believe, Detroit. Tear the roof off. Got to give it up for uh, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. That's just so much fun. Another example of a great, great party song. You know, if you're throwing a party and things are slowing down and people are starting to leave, just put that on and turn it up, and it'll be it'll be two or, days later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, got another got another sloppy second. Uh, I also have to go with higher ground because in addition to it being really, really, really funky and great, great fun. Also, the Red Hot Chili Peppers did a killer cover of that song. Yeah, they did. And yeah. several of their several of their tunes could would classify as funk, man. With the oh sure that groove and, sure. Uh, and you know. Anyway, all right, Jim, I gotta go last because I gotta redo my list. <laughs> oh, is it is it my turn? <sighs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about why superstition and higher ground are so funky. Since okay. since since I did exactly the same thing as Buff, my I chose if I had to choose one, I was gonna choose superstition first over higher ground. But yeah. it's an instrument, it's a keyboard instrument called the Honer Clavinet. Mm-hmm. is one of the funkiest instruments ever and it's because of how stevie wonder decided to play it stevie is the guy who brought the funk with the hohner clavinet and if you want to know what i mean listen to the intro of either superstition or uh higher ground on superstition i think it's just the clavinet on higher ground he's does, uses something called a mutron which is kind of a, is an envelope filter it's kind of like an automatic wah-wah that when you play a note it automatically goes wah I wonder if that's on what, that note. Uh, I wonder if that's what Wild Cherry has on the guitar. Part. And it well, uh, I, I'd have to listen to to play that funky music again, which I haven't heard for a while. I I, I know that there's lots of ninth chords, which is another yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, choppy ninth chords on on a clean guitar, which kind of came from Chic. But uh, so so that was the, that was, and these are in no order. But that was uh, that those were on my list. It's just the, wait, the wait, funkiness wait, wait, wait. of Stevie Wonder playing a clavinet, and I've seen him a couple of times, and he still has one. They they Honer hasn't made the clavinet in quite some time. And he still he's has still one yep. sitting up there with a Mutron envelope filter right next to it, a stomp box that he plays, and it's still right up there. And I would imagine he must have several of them and had, probably has a tech to keep them working full time. Before we, before we move on from that song, what's about, uh, how's the bass line on that go? Which one? It, uh, 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 superstition in that. Boom, 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 That's a. That's why that's a funk song. Man. That's that's yeah. a clav. The intro to that that is a clavinet playing. That. Okay, that's a, well, that is a clavinet. And yeah, okay, and that that man that riff that it's built around, and that was something Pat was saying. And you build a song all up around that 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 funky riff, man. I mean, yeah, and that's people, that's people that don't like funk like that song, man. And that's and that's what that clavinet <laughs> sounds like at the beginning of Superstition when you hear that that riff. That is that's the Honer clavinet played by the comparable Stevie, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Ray Vaughan did an all right job with that with uh, 
keeping that funk groove going in it, man. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to interject something right quick where you were talking about play that funky music, white boy. Um, I'm friends with the guy that played the guitar part in that song. Right. Uh, Brian Bassett. He's with Fog Hat now. <laughs> Everybody's everybody seems to be with Fog Hat now. Everybody's I'm waiting, with Fog. I'm waiting my turn. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he played he played with uh, Wild Cherry. <laughs> he played with Wild Cherry when he was very young and then uh went on and played with Molly Hatchet for a is while. Is he the guy in that that's saying, Hey, hey <laughs> He didn't do the vocal, he did the um I didn't care about the vocal. I just like that part of the way he went, hey, hey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think okay. he's got mixed uh, feelings about that song, even though okay. he did get a gold record out of it. But go ahead, right. uh, Jim. So, so the next one is is my is the second repeat, and and it's also it's also off of uh, Buff's list. But also, I want to talk about uh, one of the one of the things that makes it so funky, uh, and that is Larry Graham from Beaumont, Texas, who virtually invented slap bass. Oh yeah. And <laughs> yeah, Patrick, I thought you were having a seizure. <laughs> and, and so he was he he was he was in the great classic lineup of Sly and the Family Stone and played on Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself again. God, what a good song. <laughs> so that that's on my list and you cannot have I mean it's hard to have uh, particularly a 70s or early 80s funk tune without that slap and bass and of course flea from red hot chili peppers has taken it to oh, to, yeah. to to ridiculous heights but right. uh but that's yeah that's larry graham from beaumont texas playing the slap and pop and bass and and he is the man that virtually invented it so that's that was the next one on my list now now we get to the white boys from iowa portion okay <laughs> And a band that is the funkiest band ever to have a white guy from Creston, Iowa as their drummer. And that is Rufus starring the Shaka Khan. Shaka incomparable Shaka Khan. Come and, and do my limo, Shaka Khan, Shaka and, Khan. And my, and my choice for them is their first big hit single, Tell Me Something Good. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 Oh, that yeah. song Man, is so freaking funky. It's got the verses <laughs> have this is. amazing <laughs> syncopated rhythm. It's the whole, the whole, the, the verses are all sung on the offbeat and syncopated. It's got a clavinet on it. It's got, it's got a wah-wah guitar and a talk box guitar, both, right? It is just, it just oozes funk. Uh -huh. And, and it's time that we had the ladies represented here. So Shaka Khan and Rufus tell me something yeah. good. Now, now their drummer, the, the white boy drummer from, uh, from Creston, Iowa is named J.R. Robinson. And, you know, to, to be fair, he didn't join Rufus until after tell me something good, but he was in Rufus for a number of years. And J.R. also played on what I think is Michael Jackson's funkiest album off the wall. Yeah. which also had a white boy from Iowa named Michael Boddicker on synthesizer who played with, with Michael Jackson uh, on off the wall and on thriller. And so the, the, the contribution of white boys from Iowa to funk music needs to be recognized. It here. does. And we should well, that's okay. We're not prejudiced against white and we, guys. And we should, and we should drink, to funk players that are white boys from Iowa. Absolutely, absolutely. Michael Boddicker, the, the keyboard player, his his parents had a Boddicker's music store in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where oh. 
many of my friends bought their their first musical instruments and so anyway that's the that's the white boys from iowa's contribution to funk portion of the uh portion of the oh and, yeah and Ruf, of Rufus. it's it's it's, it's uh, just assumed that you're including don and phil everly in the funky of course. Okay, smile, just, right? stop. <laughs> i want to revisit that thing you were talking about the vocal on uh, on that rufus tune uh, yes you know i mean it's a funk tune if you break that down that thing down to its fundamental elements uh, what i really like about that vocal it's almost like one of those little delta blues it's real timed chanted like a yep. field holler rhyming kind yep. of meter and yep. it's man it, it, I had to, I remember hearing that I was I don't know twelve. I went and bought the single like the next day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. The, and the and the funk groove in that was the vocal. Yeah, you know, with it, it was it was the way it was that that syncopated uh, the verses that you're talking about, and and yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, shock and con, man. But, but then they right. get they get they right, get into right. the chorus and strict stick and give, go to that straight 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 rhythm and it's just it's just yeah. it is it, great it's a great tune and a great recording that's that's what makes the song is the tension you know exactly yeah, um, exactly. yeah. it's not it's not that it's not the two and the four on the, on the verse and then it goes yeah uh in the chorus yeah. yeah it's so so that's so rufus tell me something good they had a lot of great stuff but to me that is the yeah. you know hearing that for the first time as a young teenager in the middle of iowa it was like whoa <laughs> that Dude. is so cool yeah you'd have been about 13. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> and so now i'm moving out of the 70s and into the 80s and oh, uh, oh a, this, a couple this a couple of things that that you know that really strange in the 80s uh marriage of funk and kind of new wavy keyboards that that prince uh kind of perfected or initiated but i don't have any prince on my my list i also don't have any p-funk on my list because i thought last time patrick said he was going to have all five of his picks were going to be p-funk so i decided to do a no <laughs> p-funk list but well, anyway the first one uh, the first the first of those on my list uh from tulsa oklahoma the wilson brothers better known as the gap band the nice. song is you dropped the bomb on me oh, oh, yeah. what a good choice oh, yeah. man right on. oh yeah in addition to being funky there's something interesting about the gap band they're from tulsa and um they got the name gap from three streets in tulsa greenwood archer and pine and Greenwood, uh, Archer, and Pine Streets were uh, in the Greenwood neighborhood, also known as Black Wall Street. And in 1921, there was a, a huge mass, race riot, a huge race riot and massacre in no, the Greenwood yeah, yeah, neighborhood it, it, well, yeah. in Tulsa. I, I, I got to correct myself; that was not a race riot. It, it was, was a, a it was a massacre, and that they took their name from three streets in that area, from the Black Wall Street area. Greenwood Archer and Pine, and that's how they got GAP Gap Band. Um, but anyway, wait, wait, hang on, Jim. Tell me those streets again. Greenwood Archer and Archer Pine. and Pine. Okay, and this is totally off topic, but that's uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody here is familiar with Bob Wilson, the Texas Playboys, right? Mm-hmm. And he had a song called "Take Me Back to Tulsa," and he mentions Archer and Greenwood. 
there's a there's a line in that song oh, that yeah. says uh would i go to tulsa you bet your boots i would drop me off at archer and i'll walk down to greenwood yep yeah, that, uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, man. Just as one of them. No, that, that was the, you know, <laughs> That was that was the that was the area of the 1921 uh, massacre, and it's also the the funky area of town. And uh, Gap Band had a bunch of stuff. My uh, uh, my wife's favorite is "Burn Rubber on Me," uh, but uh, or something <laughs> uh, like that. Uh, isn't that the name of it? Burn Rubber. Uh, yeah, I think I so. I think so. Yeah, Probably. but 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 for me, you dropped a bomb on me. Is the is the bomb? I love that song. It is funky. I had totally and, forgotten that the Gap Band. Yeah, the Gap Band from Tulsa, and my last one. Uh, <clears throat> and I listened to this. I went back and listened to this, and frankly, it was even better than I remembered it. And the, one of the distinctions is that the lead singer in on my list of the most ridiculous cod pieces ties for first place with Gene Simmons, <laughs> and that's Larry Blackman and Cameo with Word Up. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. And and know you know, where. and Word Up is. I mean, I I had it in my mind as oh, as God, as one of my on, as one of my oh. possibilities. And uh, I went back and listened to it, and it's even better. And the video is even more ridiculous with that bright red cod piece that Larry Blackman wears. Uh, but anyway, cameo word up from uh, sometime in the mid '80s uh, is is my last pick uh, on my list. So there you go. Did you guys uh, run into this issue um, of? Okay, uh, man. Did you guys run into this issue where you were? looking thinking about funk songs and then some of them would like be just a little bit too disco uh what i'm thinking about what i'm thinking about was i i always like rick james super freak but it's really leans more toward disco it's funky but it's the, thing almost, about, the thing about that is, man, I mean, man, that's a really, that's a really kind of almost transparent line. And one of the picks, first of all, I was having to do my list, redo my list as we went along because you fuckers kept taking things off of it. <laughs> okay, so here's what I'm left with. Slime of Family Stone, Everyday People. Great. And it's, it's more popsy than funk. But it's got that that great horn section, and you know it's uh it's funk as we listen to it in, in, in Southeast Texas, man. You got to remember, I I grew up in a little nothing town. Uh, we didn't have access to, to great funk stuff on the radio, you know. Uh, so uh, that the Chambers Brothers, um, time has come today, which. It's got that funk groove with a little bit of psychedelia wrapped around it. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought mm -hmm. was great. Now, my third pick is just a straight funk tune, A Fire by the Ohio Players. Oh. Ooh. I was surprised player. one of y'all didn't pick that, man. Me too. And it had, that, it had that great repetitive bump, uh, five, bump, 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 which it seemed like in the 70s, a lot of funk songs had, had, had that riff, man. You could have, sure. I mean, you could have made a list of just Ohio players songs. I mean, yeah, sure. I, I was trying to, I was trying to not, uh, I was trying to not, uh, you know, be quite that hokey. Now, this, this my next pick is kind of controversial because technically it is, 
Uh, it is more of a disco song. It is perceived more of a disco song than a, than a funk tune. But uh, the way we have talked before, Jim, about a lot of disco being sped up, more electronic versions of Blue Eyed Soul, mm-hmm. a lot of it is also sped up pops, more popsified funk tunes that, you know, they 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 took the real, they let the groove in, but they... You know, they de-emphasized parts of it and added vocals and things like that, man. And uh, I got to look up the, I got to look up the artist because I don't remember his name. Uh, oh, it's Bar- it's Barry Manilow, Copacabana. Right? Yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that that's my number one pick. <laughs> Thunder Road. Oh, uh, yeah, Thunder Road. My Kiss, it, the Kiss, the Kiss version of Thunder Road. Uh, it's uh, Kung Fu Fighting. Oh, uh, Carl, wow. Carl Douglas. Carl Douglas. Douglas. I love it. And he's, he's got that little Asian sounding running all the way through it, man. And it's it's a little more disco you know. The 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 depth of the groove is de-emphasized. But man, you put on a set of headphones and just listen to that. And it's and when I was thinking about this. I, that was one of the things I hadn't heard in 30 years that I pulled up and was listening to. And since we were thinking about funk, I was like, God, I would have, I would have so much loved to have heard an arrangement and a, and a performance of that by somebody like uh, Isaac Hayes, man. Can you imagine what that, can you imagine what that groove would have been like? But uh, how many is that for? Sure. Yeah, and uh, and because you <laughs> bastards picked my list clean and killed it, <laughs> you killed my list. Then you pissed on it. Then you killed it again. <laughs> then, you, then you set it on fire. We killed it to death. We killed, killed it, it to death. Yeah, or like we say where I'm from, man, you killed the fuck out of that. <laughs> Dinner and fried chicken. Dinner and a plate of fried chicken. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Pat, you, you used, uh, the, uh, you brought up the, uh, you had a Delta Blues, uh, the Muddy, the Muddy Waters song that was on your list. Sure, Manish Yeah, and, yeah, Manish Boy, when you said that, I got to thinking about, uh, how many, how many of those old Delta Blues things would have made great funk records, you know, had they mm-hmm. had ensembles and technology as opposed to, I'm playing the guitar with a whiskey bottle and, and <laughs> you know, you record. It's burning right into the vinyl that I'm having to brush right, away. Right, <laughs> it's right. being recorded. And, uh, anybody besides me think uh, uh, Boom, 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 Boom by John Lee Hooker would have made a hell of a fun tune, man. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. And, uh, yeah. Sure. And, and I was having to redo my list as I went because – well, because y'all are a bunch of sorry <laughs> bastards that are going to burn in hell. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's right. all right, that's my list. Hey, uh, touching on, you mentioned Mr. Carl Douglas. It take me back to my junior year in high school. Uh, when I first started in radio, uh, one of the... Yeah, Buff, you're old. <laughs> shut up. One of, the, uh, one of the first things I played as a DJ uh, was uh, Kung Fu Fighting. So trivia question. Uh, who can name the uh, follow-up record that the record company thought, well, it's making so much money 
we'll get him to do a follow-up to Kung Fu Fighting. Do you remember that? I do not. It was a song called Dance the Kung Fu. No. And it and was. That, and that, that's and that's that why one, you that are was... always so much better off to avoid major record labels whenever possible. <laughs> yeah. It was and, lame, and that... lame, 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 but people... People scooped it up because they were still reeling from Kung Fu fighting, which was only a couple months earlier of the time. The times were so weird. It was like uh, things, you know, if something hit, they would just get right back in the studio and do a follow-up. And that, and that was followed by Decorate the Feng Shui. Decorate the Feng Shui, yeah. Uh, I remember that. Kind of where it started and where it went, and and we're talking about this, and this was something I didn't. Uh, I wish I'd have thought of this before I made my list, but I'm gonna add it now. Uh, and this was kind of funk and had a little bit of kind of reggae touch to it, man. Y'all remember Hot Chocolate? They had a song called "You Sexy Thing." That had that. Where are you from? Bom, bom, bom. Well, it had that great funk groove in it, man. It had that. It had that funky riff that that ran all the way through you sexy it. Sexifying you. Man, them guys were good. I think hey, uh, did, now. did I miss something, or did we get through this whole discussion without mentioning Nile Rogers? We I, did. I mentioned Chic. Okay, right. Because right, I, I, okay. I said I said that the yeah the, so that guitar the guitar stuff and play that funky music is was a bit to Chic. So no, and then okay. there was only there was only uh, I think there was only out of all our lists only one Parliament tune and no and no Bootsy solo stuff, man. Yeah. I, I was staying away from that because really I figured you vultures would pick that queen. Well, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, there's, there were so many, you know. I was thinking of the, several, several Ohio player songs. I was thinking of several Cool in the Gang songs, Jungle Boogie, which made me think of Jungle Love. Oh by the time, God, yeah, man! I mean, Jungle Boogie's one of the best songs yes. ever, Boogie, ever, ever. Yep, yep. And we didn't talk. We didn't get into. Uh, we didn't, nobody talked about uh, that uh, L.A. band War, you know. Oh, with, yeah. uh, oh I was going to mention Lowrider, Low yeah. Rider and, yeah. Uh, and why can't we be friends, man? Why that can't had a, that we had a hard, be friends? That had a hard funk groove in it, man. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's good stuff. Well, uh, all right, I think we could have uh, picked that stuff, but no, <laughs> y'all were too busy killing my fucking. Yeah, that's what well, yeah. the whole plan was, right? Okay, listen to this. <laughs> this is this. This. Uh, this I got a little preamble here to uh, next week. Back in the early 90s, I was co-owner and editor of an entertainment weekly in Greenville called Edge Magazine. We had uh, a great staff. We had a really sweet African-American woman and quite a ball buster who was in our sales department. Her name was Millicent. She was always joking around with me because uh, I was getting into all the concerts free she wanted to go to concerts free, uh, you know, which is kind of cool. You know, we got her into some things and stuff. But when I, I told her that me and uh, my uh, then girlfriend and sales uh, rep, who later became my wife, Jill, we were going to Clemson to see Buddy Guy and have an interview and see the concert, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Millicent stopped dead in her tracks and, and, and they're in the office and yelled out, buddy guy, man got the blues. 
<laughs> and that became a running gag in the office for a year, a couple of years. If we were talking about Michael Stipe, Prince, James Taylor, anybody, we would go, man, I got the blues. <laughs> so the topic for next week is, man, I got the blues. Somebody's got the blues. Man, yeah, that's right. Our essential blues artist. That's okay. right. But here's the catch. Oh, dude, These no essential catch. blues artists who do not have the name, the, the word king in their name. Okay, what about Porkchop? Well, there goes three of mine. <laughs> Porkchop. Porkchop. Pork you just can't have B.B., Freddy, or Albert, so... Okay, and, and I'm gonna give y'all heads or up. King Creole and the coconuts. Here here's here's what, man, for next for next week's uh for next week's uh, high fidelity list. If you were a bluesman, what would your blues name be? Mine is Salisbury Steak. None of y'all can have it. <laughs> Salisbury Steak. My, yeah, mine would be right. Ch- mine would be Chiquita from Omaha. That's a good one. Just... <laughs> Chiquita. Oh, yeah. Jim, the Chiquita from Omaha, Yeah, and I would be yeah. Billy Salisbury Steak Eli. Yeah, yeah you gotta ba- name your you gotta you gotta name yourself after like a cut of meat or something. Right? Your your band should be the uh, Billy Eli and I mean uh, Salisbury Steak and Gravy. That's right. Yeah, gravy and gravy. Gravy's the band. Gravy. No, gra- gravy. Gravy's my lead player. No, no. <laughs> Oh, great with Swan- gravy. Gravy Wilson. Yeah, I remember him. Swanson dinner. That's a good one, Swan- man. Swanson. Yeah, yeah. Salisbury yeah. steak and the Swanson dinners. Right. Yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> what was the, uh, anybody ever watch the Rockford Files? What was Angel? Oh, yeah, yeah. When he would go down and, and beg for money, he'd need wear dark glasses and, and pretend to be a blind guitar player, and he was Blind Lemon Pledge. <laughs> lemon Pledge. I'm Blind Lemon Pledge. <laughs> okay, I can't. I, my mind's not as quick as it used to be. I was trying to think of the name of... Um, You're not drinking enough. No. If you drink more, uh, the alcohol will kill those slow, those slow brain cells, and you'll be faster. <laughs> on Sanford's son, when Bubba went to get the records back from the library uh what he said his daddy his daddy's name was a blues player my blind something you know uh, he, blind he no, with blind gravy. <laughs> yeah blind lemon yeah. jefferson or something like that i don't know that's anyway, a real so, guy that was, that was one of my favorite bits on there was you know sanford found out fred found out that the records were worth a lot of money and he had donated them to the library. So, but Bubba goes in there and says, I'm the son of the blues singer. I want my daddy's records. I want my daddy's records. Man, that was funny. Back in the and, day, anyway. And the uh, and Cheech and Chong did the, uh, were the first ones to help blind blind melon. They were blind, blind melon, chi- blind melon chitlin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Martin Mull did a funny blues bit one time where he was playing a ukulele with a baby bottle slide <laughs> stomping his foot and singing the, the white man blues. And he would say, he would just be hitting these riffs and he'd go, Oh Lord, have mercy. You know, right. it's like, and then he was just stomping hey, his foot. And he me, goes, save me Jesus. Stomping <laughs> his foot. And he goes, 
I can't stop my leg. I remember that one. Yeah. You had to be there. You had to be there. All right. So next week is blues, blues, blues. You can use until then. I'm going to say bye to everybody. And we're going to get on out of here after a mere two hour program. <laughs> be good boys. See you next time. All right, later. All right. Later.
Oh yeah, man. Sly and the family stone. Thank you for letting me be myself again. That's right, baby. Funky. Yeah, you bet. Thanks guys for tuning in to to, uh, today. <laughs> Can't talk today for some reason. Um, we really appreciate you, uh, choosing our program to spend a little bit of time and listen to us rant and ramble and, um, uh, Greatly appreciate it. If you got any comments on the program or on the Kudzu magazine or the ambassador of Southern rock YouTube channel or any of that, please contact me, please, please, please email me at kudzu mag at yahoo.com. K U D Z O O M A G kudzu mag at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you for sure. Um, also, uh, we have, um, uh, lost my train of thought. I lost my train of thought. Anyway, the main thing I was going to say is we want to thank our sponsors again. Um, our program sponsors, Springer mountain farms, fresh chicken, fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms, Springer mountain farms. Just go to springermountain.com, springermtn.com. We also want to thank the box masters rock and roll band out of California, IA, uh, with a drummer that came out of Arkansas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the, uh, Bud and JD and the gang, uh, the new album is light race and it is fantastic. Every song on it is wonderful. So get you one, get the vinyl, the CD or the download. You can get, uh, music and autograph merchandise and swag and much more at theboxmasters.com. Program is also brought to you by the fun folks, Linda and uh, Roger Earl at Fog Hat Cellars. Fog Hat Cellars, great Fog Hat wine from the same people that brought you the uh, rock and boogie and blues for over 50 years, Fog Hat Band. They have excellent wine as well. And I will be the first to tell you it is wonderful. Get you some and have it delivered to your doorstep. To find out more information or order online, just go to foghatsellers.com or you can go through the band portal at Fork, uh, Fork, what? <laughs> foghat.com. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So anyway, that's it. We want to thank you uh, once again for listening today, and we will be back with you next week. Please join us again. Same bat time, same bat channel. Kudzu Radio Hour.